At the start of our sermon, I would like simply to read uh, one short verse. Philippians 4, verse 4, no doubt familiar to you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. An English skeptic in 1866 penned these words. Thou hast conquered, O pale Galilean. The world has grown gray from thy breath. Much of the unbelieving world thinks that Christ and Christianity has taken all the color out of life, all the spice out of life, uh, thinking that loving Christ and living for Christ is all gray, that loving Christ and living for Christ is dull, it is joyless. Nothing could be further from the truth. You read your Bible and you quickly discover that knowing and loving God through His Son, Jesus Christ, is a Christianity of joy and rejoicing. And the Bible goes out of its way to make this known. Uh, the psalmist, for example, prays, fill my heart with joy. And elsewhere he says to God, you have put joy in my heart. So it is clear that when we pray to God for joy, He puts that joy in our hearts. Jesus Himself believed in joy and rejoicing. Just hours before His crucifixion, He spoke these words to His disciples in John 15 verse 11. I have told you this. The this is how he told us to abide in him, to remain with him, to stay close to him. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus is not talking about some kind of vague joy. Rather, he is praying that our joy would be His joy being more and more completed in each one of us. And again, we go back to the verse just read from the pen of Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Always rejoice. We are to be continually rejoicing in the habit of expressing joy and being joyous. In fact, in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas enter uh, into the city of Philippi. They preach the gospel with zeal, and the gospel proves itself again to be the power of God unto salvation to all who will believe. Many in the city come to faith in Jesus. But the city leaders despise the gospel so they arrested Paul and Silas, beat them severely, and chained them in prison. But at midnight, those two gospel lovers 
those two gospel proclaimers sang with joy the praises of God. Even in the midst of their pain and persecution, they praised God with joy. So it is right to say that Christianity is joyous. That knowing Jesus and having His joy in us is infinitely great. Our theme today is joy and rejoicing for the simple reason that we are working our way through the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, gentleness, and self-control. And we are at the word joy in this, in this wonderful fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want to do something at least unusual for me today. I almost always pick a passage to preach through. Today I want to take a more topical approach. The reason is I think that approach will better enable us to survey uh, the massive amount of material on joy that exists in both Testaments. You, you might think of the sermon as six short sermons, each connected to all the others. So let's look at these six joy realities. And the first one is this. God rejoices over His people. In the heart of our sovereign and holy and almighty and gracious and infinitely glorious God, in His heart there is joy. And when it comes to His redeemed, saved people, He rejoices over His people. Listen closely to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. The, the phrase rejoice over you is a picture of extravagant, exuberant joy. Think of a parent who is stooped over bent over and looking into the face of a child with joy. I get to do that tomorrow. We are taking a trip to Camp Lejeune, and my wife has already met him, but I will get to see my 10th grandchild for the first time, little Luke. And I'm going to hold him in my arms and, and look at him with joy but I won't sing to him because I'll scare him. But here, that is exactly the picture here. God is, is stooped over His beloved children and His joy causes Him to burst into whatever song He sings. God's love is so deep and His joy so exuberant that He rejoices over us with, with song. Imagine that for just a moment. 
We are commanded to rejoice in the Lord always. What we have here is the Lord we are to rejoice in rejoices over us with high-spirited delight. That's the first truth. Don't ever forget it. In all of our days, even in our sin, He is always looking upon us with a love that will never let us go. And He rejoices over His people. Secondly, joy is created in us by the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is joy. It means God the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer is passionate about, completely devoted to, creating us into joyous individuals and into a joyous community of believers. Two verses make this so wonderfully real to us. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Even in the middle of uh, agonizing, grieving sorrow, the Holy Spirit comes to the believer and He gives us joy in the midst of it. Or Romans uh, 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Far from being a drab gray existence, the Holy Spirit wants Christ's people to be joyous. It's interesting if you remember that just hours before His crucifixion, Jesus was in a lonely place. He was praying. That lengthy prayer is recorded in John 17 where Jesus prays that all future believers will love each other and be united as He and the Father are one. He prays for our holiness. He prays that we will conform to truth. And He also prays for our joy. In fact, in John 17 verse 13, He prays that we may have the full measure of my joy within them. Just like it is in the heart of God the Father, in the heart of Jesus, there is massive joy. He calls it my joy. You may recall the verse in Hebrews. It says, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and despised its shame. The cross was a shameful payment to redeem us, but for the joy set before him, he endured it. And that joy was that Jesus would get for himself an eternally redeemed and eternally saved people. The joy was getting us in a saved state. 
Now, the reason I bring that up is that if you say joy is created in us by the Holy Spirit, that can only mean that the Holy Spirit is active in answering the prayer of Jesus. His prayer that we would not simply have joy, but we would have the joy of Jesus in us. You must believe this. It's a truth you must believe. And you must ask God the Holy Spirit to create, create in you His sweet fruit. Holy Spirit, fill me today with Yourself and cause Your sweet fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Make me a joyous person like the psalmist. Give me joy in my heart so that you can say He put joy in my heart. Third, Holy Spirit created joy is holy joy. It must always be so. And one sentence makes it abundantly clear. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. There's the joy. Not delighting in evil or in wrongdoing. The ESV uh, reads, love does not delight in wrongdoing in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. In other words, loving God and loving His people means we won't take delight in ungodliness, unholiness, but we will rejoice in godliness and holiness. If you stop long enough to ask yourself a question, why would anyone love wrongdoing? Why would anyone delight in it? And it's a question that answers itself. Wrongdoers love the wrong that they do. We're talking about a persistent wrongdoer. A person who approaches evil with a yawn of indifference. A person who has a stubborn heart of unbelief, an unrepentant wrongdoer. That kind of person loves what they do. You know, a gossip loves to spread a juicy tidbit. A thief loves to take from others. An adulterer loves to commit lustful acts. And on and on the list could go. That has nothing to do with the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit creating joy in us. Instead, the other side of the sentence reads, love, those who love God and His people, rejoice with the truth. Did, did you know that the Bible tells us to practice the truth. It tells us to guard the truth. And most of all, it tells us to walk in the truth. 
In other words, we are to rejoice in a lifestyle that is shaped by the truth of God. It's interesting that Jesus, in that prayer when he was alone, prayed, sanctify them by truth. Your word, your word is truth. That word sanctify means to make holy, to enable a person to become more holy. And the way that happens is that we must learn the truth and love the truth and live the truth. Rejoicing with the truth. Now, fourthly, Holy Spirit created joy is future-oriented. A few years ago, I read the story of a young man who was, was converted out of uh, a terribly sinful life. Drug use, alcoholism, and all manner of heinous sins. Before his conversion, his parents had written him off. After his conversion, all his friends abandoned him. But immediately following his conversion experience, this young man joined a church and soon uh, got a couple of believing friends. What was sad about his life was just two months after his conversion, he was diagnosed as having uh, uh, a severe form of cancer, and he was given only weeks to live. And his new friends, were, were, they were so discouraged uh, about their friend. They were thinking, uh, his faith may collapse. Uh, he may be overwhelmed with bitterness. He's such a young Christian. But they soon found out that this young believer was so in love with Jesus that he had hope in what lies beyond the grave. And when they would come to visit him, he would say to them, read about heaven, read about being with Jesus forever. Read John 11, 1 Corinthians 15. Read John 14 to me. Read the 8th of Romans. And they would read these promise-filled passages. And that young man who soon died found his comfort and his hope and his joy in the future reality of living with Jesus. Keep that little story in mind as I read to you a paragraph from 1 Peter that magnifies this wonderful picture. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now listen, in all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. There is kept for you in heaven by divine omnipotence 
an inheritance that can never go away. It can never cease to exist. It will always be there. It can never perish, spoil, or fade. And he calls it a living hope. Not a dead hope, a living hope. And you know, I've told you a hundred times, in the Bible, hope does not mean cross your fingers wishing. Like some of you were wishing. He said he was going to do six points. That could take a while. I hope not. That's wishing. That's wishing. I hope my t- it's wishing. This hope means exactly the opposite. It means confident expectation that all the future promises of God cannot fail to be fulfilled. It means future certainty. No wonder Peter starts off by saying, praise be to God. There's an inheritance that is ours in heaven. That's our hope. And even in the midst of these severe trials, we greatly rejoice. Like that young man could do on his deathbed. Because joy is future-oriented. And it brings us to a fifth truth. Holy Spirit created joy flourishes. It abides in seasons of suffering. Let me read several phrases from the Bible and perhaps say a prayer in your mind. Oh, Lord, grip me with these statements of reality. Here's one. We rejoice in our sufferings. Another. In spite of severe suffering, you welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Another. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And this one from 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10. Sorrowful. Sorrowful. There's real sorrow. There's real grieving. There's real heartache. Sorrowful is a godly response. Tears are a godly response. Sorrowful but always, always rejoicing. The two go together. We as redeemed human beings, all human beings really, are able to experience a multitude of emotions at once. Sorrowful, always rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord, always Ligon Duncan put it this way. This joy is grace-wrought gladness in the heart that remains even when your eyes are clouded with tears and bloodshot with weeping and when trouble surrounds you on every side. The joy remains and triumphs because it is not derived from us, nor is it based on our circumstances. It comes from God Himself. 
It is a joy that cannot be erased by any circumstances. A significant number of years ago, I preached two funeral sermons four months apart. The funerals were for two young women who died in car accidents. The first sermon was in a distant state. The young woman who died on the highway was not a believer and made it her point to live as a devout unbeliever. And the, the funeral was just so filled with sorrow, uh, so plagued by grieving, and there was no note of joy in it. Later that afternoon, after the graveside service, I went back to the cemetery with the mother. And while we were there, she grabbed my arm and squeezed, and I can still emotionally feel her tightness. And she said these words, Pastor, please ask Jesus to let my little girl into heaven. Such grieving, such brokenheartedness. The other girl grew up in this church. I had the joy of performing her marriage. Her family uh, is okay with me sharing. And she died in a car wreck before she reached her first anniversary. And I preached her funeral. Uh, there was grieving. There was heartache, heartbreak. But in the words of Scripture, and all of us, they are entered into their grieving and sorrow and loved on them. It was grieving in hope. It was sorrowful, but always rejoicing. And later that afternoon, I went with this family to the cemetery. And we were standing there for a while. You talk about singing that song. Uh, the Lord gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We sing that song with joy, but that's the kind of song you also sing with a gulp of sorrow. And so we're standing there, and the mother, quoting that verse from Job, says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And there was a pause. Later, the dad added the second part, blessed be the name of of the Lord. And there was another pause. And the mother said, yes, blessed be the name of the Lord. Grieving in hope. Sorrowful. Truly, deeply sorrowful. Yet always rejoicing. This is not a superficial gaiety. This is not a plastic smile. This is the Holy Spirit working deeply in us to give us joy in the Lord. Joy in 
who he is and what he's done for us, what he promises us that he will see us through or deliver us out. But he will always be with his people to comfort them. That's a different sort of joy than the world can ever know. That's not gray. That's the brightness of the glory and grace of God himself. And that's the kind of joy the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate in us. And we come to the last point. We must seek the Lord for the sake of joy. Psalm 40. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad. If you seek Him to know Him, joy. Psalm 19, verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. If you had an authentic treasure map and faithfully followed it to the spot marked X, and you dug and you opened the treasure chest and it was filled with gold nuggets, you would rejoice. And the point is that God is infinitely, gloriously valuable. The supreme treasure of all treasures. As the Bible itself says, He and His Word is more precious than gold, than much fine gold. And the more we seek Him in His Word and come to understand more the infinitely glorious treasure that He is, the more the Holy Spirit creates joy in the Lord. I'd like to ask us to bow for prayer. And like we did last Sunday, I want to lead us in an extended prayer. And I want to pray slowly in the hopes that you will keep up and in your own heart add your thoughts as well. Eternal God, our Father, Son, and precious Holy Spirit, thank you that joy and rejoicing resides in you. That you are the God of joy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're like that mighty warrior who goes into war against sin and death, and judgment, and you triumph for us and save us. And thank you that after saving us, oh God, you rejoice over us with singing. Your joy over your people is abundant. It's overflowing. It's exuberant. Amazing love, how can it be? Holy Spirit, thank you that you live in us and you want to make us a joyous people. Not just with, but with, the, but with Jesus' joy, the joy of Jesus in us. Keep completing that work in us, Father. Like the psalmist said, give me joy in my heart. 
answer that prayer. Holy Spirit, Jesus prayed for Jesus-like joy for us. Answer that prayer. Day after day, help us to always rejoice. Thank you, Father, that the Bible says you enter into our sorrows. You don't rebuke our sorrows. You enter into our sorrows. You weep with those who weep and we hurt. When we suffer the absence of someone who has gone on to be with you, we face all sorts of trials and sufferings. Thank you that you come to comfort us and to help us through it. But help us to grieve in hope. Help us to be sorrowful but always rejoicing. Father, create in us an intense and burning and holy hatred for wrongdoing. And make us a people who love and live the truth. A people who rejoice in the truth. Who care about it. Who walk in the truth. Help us to pray like this day after day. And Father, thank you that heaven is home. And that your divine omnipotence is keeping on reserve an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. We have no idea what that inheritance is, but one thing we know, whatever that inheritance is, it won't be better than seeing you, Jesus, and being in your presence. And it just may be that you are the inheritance, that we get you. Help us to live in joy until that day. And Father, for those who grieve and who suffer, may the joy of the Lord be their strength. May they taste and see that the Lord is good. May we experience your abundant goodness, your tender mercies, and your great, great faithfulness. This is a serious joy. And we want the serious joy of Jesus in us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand uh, to receive the benediction? And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all and my love be with you in Christ Jesus. Amen.